Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast after the broadcast with Ed Winters. Uh, it's fresh, raw content not influenced by fear, the FCC or the FDA off the terrestrial airways, putting it all on the line for you. I'm so pleased to have you here in studio with me, Ed, uh, to talk about this for people that are maybe uh, that didn't hear the terrestrial uh, broadcast. Let's talk about this. So Ed Winters, also known as Earthling Ed, uh, he's more commonly known as that, is the co-founder and co-director of Surge, a creative grassroots animal rights organization. The organization focuses on executing well-orchestrated demonstrations, outreach events, films, and campaigns. He operates a wildly popular YouTube channel focusing on creating educational content to promote positive discussion and debate, as well as to help those transitioning to a vegan lifestyle. He travels uh, the UK in the big vegan activism van offering outreach and free screenings of his film Land and Hope of Glory to university students. Ed is now touring North America, including multiple cities here in uh, Texas, in an effort to help further advance the animal rights movement. You can find Ed at earthlinged.com. That's earthlinged.com. As I said, such a pleasure to have you on the show today. And thank you so much for staying after to record the podcast after the broadcast so that we can talk about things that maybe aren't so palatable to the average listener, but for people that want to hear more or want to get more involved, uh, let's just roll here. So, you know, um, I'll start with this. I'm going to hit it hard right out of the gate. You visited three slaughterhouses in Houston. Can you explain what you saw? Yeah. So firstly, thank you for having me on the the podcast after the broadcast. Um, So yeah, we visited three slaughterhouses in, in Houston. Um, and these slaughterhouses uh, were not huge slaughterhouses, they were smaller ones, so a consumer could walk in, they could pick the animal they wanted uh, oh, really? alive, yeah, and then wait for them to be killed and pick up the dead body um, just outside the butcher shop. Wow, and you know what's interesting? Because you, when I talk to people about you know animal activism and what they can do and what goes on behind the scenes, they'll say um, stuff like, no, I get my meat, I buy the whole cow, right. and it's not mistreated, it right. never goes through any kind of cruelty. Right. And so this is very interesting. What did you see? I saw a woman, she, she was stood looking at this goat of, uh, this, this pen of goats, um, and she was getting one of the um, the workers to go around and, and basically size up each goat. And she was there for maybe 20 minutes. Then she settled on the goat that she wanted to have killed for her. I think it was $150 for oh the entire God. goat. So You know what? I, just listening to you and you saying that and me, I have I have a great imagination. Uh, I can visualize mm-hmm. things. I just my body. I'm not just saying this to be a, dr- a drama queen. It just felt like uh, like I wanted to faint. Yeah, I can't even imagine yeah. executing the death of an animal as a woman. Um, yeah. I just can't even imagine I mean, it. The thing is, we go into a supermarket and you see like the, the flesh wrapped in plastic and you can detach from what it is. You right. see bacon, you don't think about the pig. You know, you see steak, you don't think about the cow. But this woman was there actually literally picking out the animal she wanted to have killed for her. And this, uh, this, this, this man came in of his child and the child was probably maybe a year old, um, 18 months maybe. And he want the, the child went over to the want to play with the coats, right? And he was pointing at them, laughing hysterically. And there was a, there was a, a cat there as well, which obviously you know who wasn't going to be killed. And the kid saw the cat and then pointed at the cat and, and giggled in the exact same way. And in that child's eyes, there was no difference between the, the goats cat. that were going to be killed right. and the cat. But his dad was there to buy a goat and have the goat killed. And his son, who was so young, had no idea what was going to happen to the animals that he was clearly enjoying. The don't tell me of. he watched it. No. No. No, he just picks them out. They do the killing and then they just pick up the the butchered meat at the end and the blood's not on their hands, they don't think. Wow. Yeah. 
I can't even imagine. I really can't. Did you see anything else? Uh, well, there was a good thing from it because those three slot houses we got chatting to one of the owners of, of a, one of the three, um, and it was a halal slot house. And he's um, he wants to change his business. Um, he doesn't agree with it anymore. And he said he wanted to open up, I think, like a mechanics or an engineering store instead. So his, you know, he makes money off of killing these animals, but he's come to realize in himself that he doesn't agree with it anymore. He just doesn't want to do it. And so that's changes happening, even even in people we'd least expect it to. Well, you know, in your documentary, we were watching these animal, these workers and how brutal and, and angry and just vicious they were. And you know that carries over. We've talked about it many times in the air, and I'm sure you, you know about this as well. Yeah. That carries over to their home life. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a study by a professor named Amy Fitzgerald, and she looked at um, Boomtown County surrounding huge slaughterhouses, and there was, there was a massive increase in the number of, of, of sexual violence and also just D- violent crimes. Domestic violence, domestic violent, violent crimes, exactly. yeah. Exactly. It was a huge, huge increase. It's not uncommon. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, these are people that are killing for their money to, to feed their family every single day. They're brutalizing. And this is the kind of stuff that we can't say on the air because we don't want to turn people off. But my gosh, the stuff that you see is just incredible how they can take baby pigs and slam them to the ground and bust their heads while they wiggle on the ground, you know, and they're bleeding and they're, they're, they're sitting there wiggling and then or coming up with baseball bats or any kind of instrument they can and just bludgeoning over and over these pigs in the head as they lay there and just they're traumatized or the scene that really bothered me in the film or the documentary was the scene of the of the three pigs together being put in this steel confinement uh, cage and gassed right. the gas chamber. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the the, the certified humane method of pig slaughter um, across most of the Western countries is, is the gassing of, of pigs. So they load them into a chamber that's filled with CO2, carbon dioxide, which literally burns them from the inside out. And sometimes people say to me, oh, you know, but these industries, they do care about the well-being of the animals. But I found out recently that the industry could um, use a different gas um, that isn't CO2 that actually not cause them any pain, but they don't use it because it's more expensive. That makes me sick. Right, right, right. I, just I, like it just makes me so sick. So these industries and don't it, care. If anyone was to see the the footage that we're talking about, you would feel the same way. It's so brutal, you guys. I mean, it is so freaking brutal mm. what these animals go through. It's just. And 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 as you said, it's bad enough that we're killing them, but we could at least make it a, a better experience for them. But they, these big animal farmers uh, or industries don't care because it's all about the bottom line. It is. It's all about the bottom line. And I think it's important to stress that you know, there's no humane way to do it. It doesn't matter if it causes no pain or severe pain. It's still wrong and shouldn't shouldn't happen. But you're right. You know, it just it really lays out the truth, which is these industries and the people that operate within them care about money. It's really sad. What did you see that made the complete turn to 100% veganism? Yeah, so this documentary called Earthlings, um, which basically chronicles um, how we exploit animals in, in, in almost every aspect. So it's not just food. Um, it does meat, dairy, and eggs, but also does clothing, so leather and fur. It looks at cosmetics and, and animal testing. It looks at entertainment, so animals in circuses and zoos. And after I saw that, I realized the magnitude of how we exploit animals and the fact that it's permeated into nearly every aspect of our lives, so much so that we don't even realize the extent of how much animals suffer for us. And afterwards, I was just, I was in, I was crying and I had a little uh, hamster at the time. And I remember holding my hamster, Rupert, and thinking that he could have been one of those animals in, in the oh, film. Oh, for sure. And I thought, well, what's the difference between the animal that I'm love, I love here, who I cherish as a family member, and the animals that I'm paying to die? And I thought, I was a hypocrite. So I decided I had to be vegan because to not be vegan was to live a life of hypocrisy and also an injustice to those who I knew were suffering for me. 
Yeah. And magnitude is the right word, yeah. too, because this is an incredible problem, uh, not just for humanity, but for the world, for the environment. Um, and, oh, my gosh, I think about all the negativity that surrounds all this cruelty worldwide, yeah. and it's it's destroying the human race. I will go that far as to say that I feel that the, the rampant animal abuse and disrespect for life all over the earth is what's destroying the human race. We have such a disrespect for for ourselves as our own species because we're destroying the only home that we have because we value the taste of these products over our own survival. And we're killing ourselves. You know, we're destroying our own health, destroying our planet and, and taking the lives of trillions of animals every single year. I mean, the arrogance of our species is sometimes bewildering, but I also think it's important to note that we are capable of, of enormous goods. And even though it can be sometimes difficult to see that in, in when there's so much suffering, I think everyone has the capacity to change and that's what keeps me going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, what are some of the most shocking facts and truths about the land farming in the UK and the US? I mean, that's a great question. I think eggs and dairy are, um, are really scary for a lot. Are really scary when you learn about them. A lot of people think animals don't suffer in the in the egg and dairy industries because animals don't have to die for those products. But right. The opposite is is actually true. All all egg laying hens and all dairy cows will be will be killed in a slaughterhouse. But you know, kind of almost more disturbing than that. So let's take the egg industry for example. Um, so male chicks in the egg industry um, won't produce eggs because they're male, and they also won't grow up to be the same size as the chickens we slaughter for meat because they've not been genetically modified in the same way. So as soon which as is a problem in itself. It is a huge. You should problem. not be genetically modifying anything. We've spoken. Right about it at, on, at length on the on, on the air right. um it's it's it how would we like it if we were genetically modified right. i mean how disturbing is that to even think about these meat chickens they grow up to slaughter age in about six weeks and they're they're, they're really an obese adult in a, in a baby chick you know got a ba- the baby chick mind's been in a obese adult body and they chirp because they're still babies mm-hmm. um but um so in the egg industry because the male chicks won't grow up to be suitable to be killed for meat they're uh, they're killed as soon as they're born so as soon as they're born they're thrown into, into macerators with a ground up or they I've seen it. It's in, horrific. Right. And in the UK, that's 40 million day-old male chicks every single year. And I think the UK can fit into Texas eight times. So if that's 40 million in the UK, the scale of it in the US is unbelievable. Um, wow. And in the dairy industry, you know, these cows are forcibly impregnated because they'll only produce milk when they have a baby. So they're forcibly impregnated. Their babies are taken away from them again almost as soon as they're born. Um, and I came across this really disturbing thing. Um, so because dairy cows are, are impregnated, um, often they're taken to a slaughterhouse and they'll still be pregnant. So in the UK, 150,000 dairy cows are taken to the slaughterhouse each year while still pregnant. And just over 40,000 of those cows who are pregnant have a baby inside of them that's capable of sustaining independent life. Now, often the slaughterhouse won't know that the, the cow's pregnant. Sometimes the farmers don't know the cows are pregnant. Or oh, they don't care. They don't care or they don't care or they don't have time because they've got to, they've got to meet the quota of animals they have to kill in that day. So often what happens is when they kill them, the mother, they'll slice her open, but the baby inside will still be alive. And the, the legal um, way to, or the humane way to kill these animals, um, the baby inside is to hit them overhead with a, a blunt instrument. So imagine this baby inside of the mother, the mother's just been killed. They've been cut out of their mother's womb. And as soon as they're cut out, they're hit over the head to be killed. And that's right. the dairy industry, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. It is heavy. It makes my heart heavy. It, it yeah. makes my mind heavy. I, it's, it's hard to, like you said, this is a magnitude all over the world, the circus, you know, um, what goes on, what the, how they treat animals. Uh, these big hunters, they think it's, it's okay to get in a helicopter and these beautiful exotic animals trapped on an island, yeah. uh, you know, for their manhood so they can fire a rifle from a helicopter like that's fair, you know, um, and uh, I just, it makes me, it just makes me absolutely sick. I yeah. mean, we could, we could talk 
uh, at nauseum about all the different ways that animals are treated cruelly um, or uh, mistreated yeah. uh, on the planet. So yeah. it's disrupting. I mean, it's you can hear it in my voice. I mean, I, I, it's hard to even, you know, have this conversation um, and and stay clear minded when you when you visualize what really goes on. If you if you've seen the documentary or any of the film footage that obviously Ed and I have seen over the years, it's highly disturbing. Um, and everyone should be concerned about it because uh, that kind of negative energy uh, spreads all over the planet. It does. And the thing is, we should all see what we're responsible for causing. And, and often people turn away and say, oh, I don't want to watch that. I'll put me off my food. And the question is, you know, if it's not good enough for our eyes, why is it good enough for our stomachs? Yeah. Well, and you know what I think is fascinating because the subject I'm about to bring up is probably uh, for me one of the most disturbing um, acts of violence against animals that goes on. And I'm speaking of the Yulin Dog Meat Festival in China. What the fudge? Right. I mean, seriously, I'm off record, so I want to say the F word, uh, <laughs> but I, I want to maintain professionalism here. But wh- I, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. What the fuck right. is up with that? That's like, disgusting. what is going on with that? It's disgusting. I mean, the way they treat these, these the dogs is absolutely horrific. Um, and they butcher them, they mutilate them, they kill them, they they, they burn them while they're alive. Um, and it and it is it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And some of these animals are um, are pets that have been stolen from 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 backyards, and they're taken to be killed. I always think it's important to note that morally, there's no difference between what we do to animals and, and what they do right. to animals. I mean, right. we we scold chickens alive in boiling tanks right. the same way they do to dogs. Right. We keep these animals in cages the same way they do to dogs. We mutilate them while they're still alive in the same way they do to dogs. And fundamentally, there's no difference between Yulin, which is a traditional festival, and say Easter or Thanksgiving or Christmas. They're all traditional cultural festivals, um, and animals should not be exploited for our own cultures. I couldn't agree more. And it's funny, though, because we fu- we're still like, oh, my God, the China, the, what are they doing in China? The meat festival, what are they doing? Yeah. We're doing the same thing. Every day. The bacon you have on your plate is the same damn thing. Exactly. And we get up in arms and we're so offended by the fact they're killing dogs. But it's the, the animals, they're the same. What unites us as animals is what's most important. We're all alive. We're all conscious. We all have an experience of life that's individual to us. We all feel pain and we all want to live, you know. And the, the dogs, the cows, the pickings, the, the pigs, the chickens, the sheep, the dogs, the cats, humans, it's all the same. It's really disturbing. Exactly. Well, so how do you talk to a meat eater and educate them without preaching? I know I have trouble with it. <laughs> it's, it's one of the biggest, biggest hardships we face because as soon as veganism is brought up, people oh, you're preaching, or you're militant, you're or weirdo. you're an extremist, you're a weirdo, leave me alone, stop forcing your beliefs. Um, and I, the way we do it, or the way I like to do it, is just, we've got to understand where people are coming from. And I was raised eating meat, dairy, and eggs. I was raised wearing leather and wool mm-hmm. and silk and buying shampoos that were testing animals. I never considered it. Um, so we just have to understand that people have never thought about this before and it's not their fault. So if you if you do something unconsciously because you don't know any different, you can't be held completely responsible or accountable for that because it's not your fault. So I just think having conversations with people and, and, and showing them the truth, asking them questions, helping them understand how they truly feel because no one likes what's going on. No one truly thinks it's okay on every single level. And we just have to help people understand that if we are compassionate, which most of us are, then this is something that should be, you know, really put into our history books and shown us something that we did that was horrible, but we'll never yeah. do it again, you know? Well, it's funny you say history, because I was thinking about, how did this all start? I right. don't even know. Do you know? I mean, 
obviously we you know we we domesticated these animals and we began farming them um, because it was convenient it was easy and then factory farming came about during the 20th century um, when there was an increased you know resources the economy and the demand went up after you know after the great depression after the world wars when there was a high demand for meat and people could start affording it um, they needed to find a system that would accommodate for that demand and accommodate for people who had a bit more money to spend on these products now and so they introduced factory farming which made the whole process incredibly efficient incredibly cost effective but also just unbelievably brutal and terrible well you know i um i have a question for you because i know i struggle with this as well like i hear the animals screams at night especially after there's something fresh in my mind that i haven't been able to process yet i don't know how to deal with it i don't know how to deal with the emotions that i have sometimes and i i feel so hopeless i feel so frustrated that i can't do more so how do you handle your emotions after seeing so much trauma uh, you, you touched on a, on a good thing, which is about animals screaming. And, and I just like to say before I, before I address the question, you know, a lot of people think animals are voiceless, but they're not. You know, they scream oh, no, they and scream. they cry and they, and they beg for mercy just as we would, but we don't listen to them. So they have voices. We just need to hear them. Um, and yet, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good question. I've, I've seen some stuff that I never thought I would see. I've seen animals being separated. I've heard the screams of mothers. I've seen animals hung upside down with their entrails hanging out. I've seen them being... I've seen some horrible stuff and I, I think what keeps me going is just the fact that they need me to do something. You know, their suffering yeah. isn't going to end if I if I allow that emotion to consume to me and I yeah. go, oh, it's too much for me or oh, this is too upsetting. That doesn't help them. And the animals don't need our pity or our sorrow. They need our action and they need us to make change and people won't make changes unless others speak up on their behalf. So that's why that's how I keep myself going by knowing that it's horrible, but I want to bring it to an end. So I've got to do something about that. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking with you is there anything else you want um our listeners to you can say whatever you want you're not on the airways i mean i think (laughs) i think the question we always have to ask ourselves is you know what what do we value more what is higher value in our eyes you know taste our taste buds or, or their life and i think most people agree that life is more important than taste i mean taste is inconsequential but more importantly as a vegan, I get all the flavors and, and I eat all the meals I used to love. I eat burgers and mac, mac and cheese and pasta bakes and curries and, and tacos. I eat everything I used to love, mm-hmm. but now I do so about harming others. So you don't give anything up being vegan. And that vegan is like a loaded word and people think, ah, it's this weird thing to do, but just do it. Try it and well, see and, how you feel. You well, know? and now it's easier than ever because there's so many great products, but also it opens you up to other foods that you, you get so conditioned to eat, conditioned to eating that hamburger and fries and Coke or, you know, going and getting a pizza or just all your little snacky foods that uh you know that are maybe have cheese on them right. or you know I'm, there's 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 tens of thousands of foods out there right. um and, but you never I mean, i'll give you a good example i was at um natural grocer and they uh the the presentation that that they had that evening all the food was prepared was all vegan they did have some little um uh, like meatballs for some of the people that, you know, just to keep it friendly and not right. be judgmental. But one of the things I was most impressed with was uh, it was a um, ceviche. Okay. And it's real popular here in, in the South, ceviche. And um, they made it with coconut meat. Right. And it was so much better than how they traditionally make it with shrimp. Wow. Um, and I was just astounded at how how delicious it tasted and how how healthy it was yeah. for me too and the earth. And so there's lots of options out there is the point of what I'm trying to convey here. You can veganize any any meal that you like, you know, and there are options any all the supermarkets now, Target, Whole Foods, you know, Walgreens all have vegan options. There's Garden, there's Beyond Meat, there's the Impossible Burger. There's you mm-hmm. know it's just so good now, the quality of vegan food, vegan cheeses, plant milks. 
it tastes the same, sometimes better, and there's no cruelty and suffering involved. It's a no-brainer. So there's, you've got nothing to lose from being vegan, but you have so much to gain. You gain your health, you gain the understanding that you're helping others, and you leave. You just leave a planet for our children, our grandchildren mm-hmm. to prosper on, like we would want to ourselves. Well, and it's a slow, natural thing. Mm. You didn't. You weren't. It I took a while for you. Absolutely. Took a while for me. Um, and sometimes I slip. Sometimes I'll have a piece of fish still, you know, um, once in a while. It's very rare now, though, because I've become so involved. Right. Um, I've been awakened, if right. you will, to right. the cruelty, the real cruelty um, that's behind the scenes. And that's why we wanted to put this down on a recording today. So for people that, you know, really want to make a change in the world, baby steps, even if it's just one or two days a week, you cut out anything that's got to, to do with meat or dairy or eggs and and just uh, feel good that day when you lay your head down. Right. As long as we have veganism as the end point, you know, the point is we get there and people need different approaches and some some people can go, go vegan overnight and some people can't. So just do what you can for yourself. But most importantly, keep striving and keep making those changes and keep progressing. That's the important thing. Um, because it's once you get there and you look back and you think, why was I ever doing that? You know, I don't, I can't understand myself. I yeah. didn't know the place I was coming from. And I loved KFC and Domino's. I loved it all. And now I look back at myself. I'm like, what was I doing? You know, mm-hmm. and you will, we all reach that point. Our taste buds change, our mindsets change, and we become happy that we've gone vegan rather than resentful. Yeah. Earthling Ed, thank you so much. Thank you. So great to, to uh, sit here with you and, and chat. Thank you so much, Bernadette. All right, everyone. You know what? I'll talk to you uh, the next podcast after the broadcast. Bye-bye for now.